Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. What's up? Sebastian, man, the eventful week topped off with a holiday, and no soccer this weekend. It's kind of weird. I mean, kind of soccer this weekend. Oh, actually, yeah. Well, no games this weekend. Yeah, no, no official games this weekend, yeah. So, um, first of all, happy Thanksgiving or, you know, happy holiday season to everybody, I guess. Now that, you know, it's we're officially after Thanksgiving, I guess, uh, everything. Happy Black Friday. You know, make sure you uh, go to our Facebook page and buy some of our podcast merchandise. <laughs> Just feel free to Venmo us any money and we will come up with merchandise for you. <laughs> yeah, we'll send it once we get the money request. Yeah, once we get the money request, we will we will for sure send you some gear. Um, <laughs> just a t-shirt with a sharpie on it. <laughs> it's podcast. Sign t-shirt. Sign, yeah, we will sign a t-shirt for you. Um, yeah. So uh yeah, happy holiday season. Um, so what are, I mean, we do have a couple busy, busy weeks, I think, ahead of us. So we just came back from North Carolina. Yeah. Um, uh, we were at the NCFC showcase with the O three girls. And I thought we, I thought we had a good weekend. I mean, ultimately, and you know, maybe there was from a results perspective, it didn't go our way, but so on Monday, um, we had the girls college prep night for ASPI and, um, we had one of the UD players on it. Uh, Sarah, the Apollonia was on, on the, on the, on the, on the zoom, um, meeting. And she was talking to the girls and, and one of the girls asked, you know, is it better from a recruiting standpoint to be on a winning team? So I asked that player, what do you consider a winning team? She was talking about, you know, winning every game and this and that. And Sarah had some really good insight. And she said, um, A, first of all, if she would have been in a winning team her entire like club career, then she wouldn't have been recruited because she wasn't on a winning team <laughs> or she should have been in a winning team because she wasn't. But at the same time, um, she also mentioned the fact that, you know, she thought at times, you know, coaches potentially maybe want to look at players when they have adversity on their side, right? When it's not, it's not an easy win all the time when you, you do have to grind it out where you do have to play a team that's potentially better than your team. So individually, what are you going to do? And I think that's also, you know, that, that mindset switch when you're going to from a regular tournament environment where you're trying to play, you know, you're ultimately playing for some sort of medal or cup or whatever at the end of it. And now you're, you're at a showcase level where it's less about the individual game result and more about how you individually showcase yourself or you showcase yourself as a team. Um, and I think we accomplished that. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's fair. Um, if you're in, the, you know, college coaches, especially in their regions have those clubs that they know put out a lot of players and have a good track record and have a good system of play and have good solid core players um so you know they go and look at those clubs but you know you can also be one, one of those teams that aren't as good and you know this team is a very solid team but you know if you get a good result you get a two nothing two one result against a team that should dominate you that coach is going to look and say well what does this team have or if you're like a forward and your team is getting dominated and you find an opportunity to score goals the coach is going to say well i want that player because if I plug them into a good team, what can they do for me? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, I think overall it was, uh, it was a good environment. I think our players showcased themselves well. We had some college showcase, some college coaches out there watching our games. So overall, very, very happy about that. Um, yeah, that's the part. That's the college coach's job, right? Is to put together the best team of the best players. Well, and I think that's the that's the interesting part. So we had we had um we had Craig Yanni from Alfred, it, you know, on the call as well. And he's a co he's a coach in New York. And he, one of the things he said, he's like, you know, I've never looked at a record, the, a team's record going into a college showcase. Don't really particularly care about the results of the game as much as like, again, I'm looking for that individual player and seeing how the players stand out. So, or you would end up saying, okay, Delaware Union High School girls went 3-0 this weekend. They don't lose college showcases. I'm going to recruit their entire team to come to my school. And that's not what you want. No, that's somewhat unrealistic. <laughs> uh, but, but that's what you end up with, right? Like if you end up with a, let's say, a top UCNL girls team. Yeah. 
who does everything and is awesome, you end up recruiting that entire team. Or you miss out on the players. Or you end up or you end up asking the question of like, you know, are they playing against very tough competition or are they not? Right. So, you know, is it is it is it one of those things where do you want to win every game for nothing? Or do you want to, you know, go one, one and one on a turn on a weekend, you know? Yeah, do you want to do you want to compete and make yourself better? Absolutely. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Um, so speaking of of college, um, college soccer and and college players, uh, we do want to mention our diamonds tryouts are coming up December 20th uh in Middletown. So make sure you go to our website, DelawareUnion.com, or you can find all the information on our social media, our Delaware Union social media, Facebook.com slash Delaware Union on Instagram at Delaware Union Soccer. And of course, our Diamonds um, social media at DE Union Diamonds. We are back for UWS2 this coming summer. So we're excited to have our first tryout. Um, so make sure you, you spread the word, you come out, try out, uh, and uh, spend the summer with us hanging out. You know, getting better, getting touches on the ball. Getting touches, hey, getting fitness on the ball. Yep. Nothing better than coming out and playing soccer at a good competitive level instead of running around that neighborhood trying to get that mild time. One hundred ball. Get used to that heat. Come compete in preseason. That's right. All right. We are back with um Another person from my past, I've, I've, we've had a couple of different guests from, from my previous, uh, I, would, I would say previous life, but not my previous life, my previous, uh, my Florida life, I would say. Uh, <laughs> that's probably a better way to put it. Um, but this is, our, our guest will be the first person that we've had that um, has been around me in, at Nova Southeast University when I went to school. Um, so actually, yeah, this is the first person that from the soccer world that's been around me at Nova. Everybody else has been like my youth, my youth ages. So today with us, we have Katie Ostrovecki, and Katie is an athletic trainer. Uh, she's a former collegiate soccer player, and she specializes in working with youth athletes, uh, kind of a, a bunch of different ways. And um, and Katie's somebody that I've known for a long time. Um, and somebody that I think has a really, really uh, interesting story and interesting um, journey throughout throughout different years of of some different things that have happened in her life. Um, and one of her biggest passions is talking about mental health, and that's a big topic of conversation on our podcast. So, Katie, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Sebastian. This is my first time doing one of these. Awesome. I we love to be <laughs> we love to be the first podcast that people are in. Well, we want to congratulations. Be the last. You are we Yeah. We don't want to be the last. We will for sure don't want to be the last <laughs> podcast you are in. We, are, we want to be the first of many. Um, yes. So, Katie, uh, let's start off with this. Um, tell us about, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of start at the beginning. So, uh, talk to me about your, your, some of your recruitment process to go to Nova Southeastern and uh, your, your journey at Nova, and then we'll kind of go from there. Yeah, of course. I'll try to make it pretty quick, but I'll go back to when I was still playing high school and club soccer growing up in Northern Virginia. Um, I was kind of one of the last people of my friend group to get recruited. So it's kind of getting a little bummed out like, oh, you know, maybe it's not for me. I'll just kind of go to college and do the academic side. And then I went to a camp at Florida Gulf Coast University and actually came into contact with my assistant coach at the time for NSU and she was the one who recruited me and they just happened to have a really great athletic training program and a leadership program, some things that I was looking into. Um, and so it kind of just all fell into place and, and who could say no to Fort Lauderdale for college. So for me being in Virginia, I was like, I'm all in. Um, so that's kind of how I got recruited there. A little, a little bit of luck and a little bit of hard work being in the, the right place at the right time. Um, unfortunately, the coach that recruited me ended up leaving um, but I'm really glad that she at least brought me to NSU before she, she left the school. And then, um, you played there for two years. Yeah, about a, a full season. And then my second season is when I left the team. Yeah. So I played my freshman year and then pre after preseason, mm -hmm. um, ended up leaving the team. So, um, do you want to touch on why you, you ended up leaving the team? 
Yeah, I would love to. Um, I loved my freshman group that I came in with. We were all super tight. Some of them are, I mean, one of them is my best friend to this day. Um, it was so a, made a really, lot of great relationships. It was a really cool, <laughs> that, that, so that was, I came in during that preseason yeah. and, uh, and that was a really, really cool group in general. Yeah. We were super lucky. And a lot, again, a lot of those girls are still friends today. So it just speaks a lot for the relationships that were built there. Um, but I actually left in that second season because I was going through my own kind of mental health struggles at the time and just trying to figure out what was best for my health. I, I tend to take on a lot in life. Um, I'm, I'm the yes girl, so I think I can do everything. And I think that semester in college, I really kind of just hit a wall and I realized I was committing to way too many things and to some things that just weren't bringing me joy anymore. So while I love soccer and have found ways to be involved and love it in different ways now, at that time, it just collegiate soccer was not for me anymore. It was bringing me more stress um, and sadness than it was bringing me joy. And so I decided to take a step back from soccer and, and focus on the athletic training and the academic side of it. Um, and then let's talk about that part of it. So you've uh, so athletic training and we've had a couple of athletic trainers on the podcast before. And we talk about how how it's one of those jobs that sometimes basically you're you're the student athlete's insurance, right? So you are you are ready to go, but hope that you don't have to necessarily be called upon because then it sometimes <laughs> means an injury. But uh, so talk about the passion that it and that you have for for working with student athletes, and and you've worked throughout some different cool things and and you've been in, you've been involved pretty much at the highest level of of uh of soccer in this country because i've seen i've seen some of the things that you've done before so um so can you talk about why why athletic training or athletic training was such a passion for you specifically yeah i think growing up growing up i was always one of the lucky ones that kind of just knew what i wanted to do i mean in high school i was exposed to athletic training really early we were super blessed and had a great athletic trainer, as well as a class where we were actually able to learn about a lot of it. So going into college, I definitely wanted to be involved in sports medicine. I just wasn't sure in what way. At first, I wanted to do physical therapy, and I actually was accepted to our grad school at Nova. And then I decided that I was like, nope, I really love athletic training. I'm not going to go the PT route, which my parents weren't happy about at the time, but now they can see it paid off. <laughs> um, but for me, Athletic training is so fun because I really think it's about being that first person on call when something happens and then those relationships you build over time. And I fell in love with the medical aspect of it and just serving others. I think that's super important to be able to help others in a way that you're really good at. And for me, like anatomy, the medical world, all of that made sense. Um, but I didn't realize how much I loved working with youth until I was kind of like forced into taking a high school job. And then I was like, oh, wait, this is actually really fun. I enjoy it a lot. Like, I don't know why people say it's not a great place to be. <laughs> and then I went to work at the professional level in the MLS and I learned a lot and I have great mentors because of it, but I don't think that environment is for me. Um, I just feel like the relationships are different and you don't really get to leave an impact like you do with that youth setting. So I went back to the high school setting after that. And then got involved with some more elite clubs on the side as well within the soccer world and some other sports too. And I was just reminded of how much you truly get out of that. And I feel like I'm, I'm getting back exactly what I'm putting into that setting because I'm pouring into these youth and their families in the community and they're giving that right back. And I feel like I never got that out of any other setting or level of sports or, you know, other kinds of settings that I had worked in. So I think that's kind of where my passion lies. It's just in, in serving others and being able to create those relationships and all while, you know, keeping them safe and healthy and helping them educate themselves about their bodies. Well, and I think that's the, that's the, one of the biggest parts, right? So, you know, athletic trainers, everybody, you know, if you, for the most part, if you talk to somebody about an athletic trainer at the high school level, they're like, oh yeah, that's the person that can take my ankle or if I get hurt. Mm -hmm. But I think it goes so much, so, so so much further especially now but mental health is one of the biggest you know one of the biggest topics right now in youth sports um about you know player burnout and and um social media at times helps and sometimes really doesn't help um especially with with again the the competition at level of it the pressure that's put on put on athletes 
um, you know, the, the body part of it, the bullying that goes on and, and all these things that, are, that all revolve around a, a person who then is expected to compete at the possible highest level that they can. Um, and then we wonder at times why injuries end up popping up. And a lot of them sometimes don't necessarily all relate to just a physical thing. Sometimes it's a mental aspect of it that, that creates an injury. So can you talk about the, the, what mental health means to you and what your experiences that you've gone through have helped you now work with your student athletes now? Yeah, I think from the personal side, I mean, obviously mental health is kind of everything we're dealing with that's not with our physical health. So whether that's our own emotions or feelings or, um, you know, learning how to deal with certain situations with other people as well. Um, I really think mental health is more important than physical health because I do think it has a very large impact on our physical health. You know, if our mental health is good, I think we have a lot more control over um, some things that we don't if we're not taking care of that. And for me personally, I've always, you know, dealt with my own mental health struggles since I was a youth athlete, um, probably, you know, middle school, high school is when I can really start to remember specific scenarios or feelings and things like that. And I think because of my own experiences as a adolescent and also as a young adult, I can really connect with a lot of my athletes now. And a lot of the times they don't even have to express a lot. I can just kind of see what kids are going through you know, if kids are maybe going through things that they haven't even expressed just by the way, like they're acting or the way they're feeling or the way they're playing, a lot of that can come back, circle back to that mental health side of things. So as you've, as you've been in the, you've been at El Segundo high school uh, for the last six years. Mm -hmm. And so you've, you've now to the point where you've graduated you know, multiple classes of students, but you've oh, been- don't, with... don't remind me, it's so sad. <laughs> <laughs> but you get to that point where you've, you know, you've seen the, the freshman class come in and now graduated a couple of times, which is just a really cool feeling. Um, so where, where have you seen the growth and the maturity from that, that, you know, that student athlete that comes in their freshman year and by the time they're leaving in their senior year with whatever sport they're, they're participating in, where have you seen their growth and where, where do you think at what point do you think um, they they reached that like oh snap moment of like everything she just said makes sense now? Like I know everybody think <laughs> it happens differently for everybody, but but at what point do you think uh, do you think student athletes at the high school level hit that maturity standpoint? Yeah, I definitely think there's no one answer for everyone. Everyone kind of hits that different points. You know, I've had freshmen that come in and right off the bat, they're like so self-aware and just really understand everything. And I'm like, whoa, I wish I had your self-awareness when I was your age. And then you have some kids that may not even get it past the time they graduate. But a lot of the time it's normally around, you know, that anywhere between that like junior, senior year, they're really getting a lot more self-awareness and much more open to you know, learning about things and really taking that in and being like, oh, this could help me for my sports performance, or this could help me for my academic performance. And they really do start to understand that much better, or maybe just become more open to it. I think that they, they hear what you're saying when they're younger, but they don't necessarily soak it in until they're maybe a little older and it starts to affect like directly affect, you know, their performance or their academics. And they're like, okay, I'm willing to listen now because I want to excel in these things. Or it's that one moment, which from a coaching standpoint, that's the, that's, uh, you get a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a big reward when, uh, when a player comes in and finally hits that, like, slow, it was that slow, that slow burn. It basically becomes that long con of like, oh, wait, what you said three years ago finally has clicked into that. And you have that moment yes. as a coach of like, all right, cool, perfect. Like, I can complete that circle. Yeah. Now, now I can, we can move on. <laughs> Sometimes oh. I get that after the fact too. Like they'll graduate and they'll come back and they'll be like, oh man, like I've been working with this person and like I really get what you were saying now. Like I should have listened to you all along. Like I wouldn't have been dealing with this. And I'm like, yep, sometimes it just takes a little longer to click. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in my research uh, before the interview, I found out that you, you wrote a book. I did. Yes. So, um, <laughs> A, let's talk about let's talk about the book you wrote, and then B, let's talk about uh, because again, it's it we live in a social media world, or we live in a internet world where everybody can Google everybody. So I'm assuming your students have have kind of realized this as, as well. So uh, let's talk about your book, and let's talk about the impact that your book maybe has had on your student athletes. 
Yeah. So I, gosh, sometimes I forget I published that book. That was like in 2016, I think. So the same year I moved out to LA to Los Angeles, I finished that book and it was just something I'd been personally working on. If you ever would ask me when I was younger, if I would have written a book, I would have been like, no way, like there's no chance. Um, but I guess I just went through some things in life where I felt like there was something pulling on my heartstrings and I had to tell a story. So the story is about a young woman's um, journey through the mental health facility, kind of a during in the first part of the book. And then an after she is released. And it's a very personal story. Um, it's based off my own personal story with mental health, with some things changed, obviously, just out of respect. Um, but yeah, the, the student athletes have def they found it. I mean, I was working there when I published it. So a couple of my student athletic trainers at the time, they were super cute, came in with like a cake and they're like, congratulations. So the kids definitely knew and they can easily find it online. Like if someone's Googling my name, um, I never pushed on anyone, but I tell them like, you know, if it's okay with you and with your parents, you are more than welcome to read it. I'm a very open and vulnerable person. So I have nothing against that. Um, but normally I, I would like for them to be a little older. Like, I don't think it's a book freshmen, sophomores should be reading probably a little later in their emotional maturity, just for, again, like safety reasons and making sure they're able to kind of read some of the more intense content that's in that book. That's, I mean, that's, that's, uh, a, I think vulnerability is, uh, again, it's a big topic of conversation with us. I think the ability to, to find the moment to be vulnerable and be open. Um, yeah. there's, there's a lot of, re there's, it's, the refreshing moment at times. And there was a, a pretty cool incident, like incident that happened where one of my former athletes, they are graduated now. They were having some issues with mental health and actually pulled in the parents to talk to them. And the father came out in the conversation and said, you know, like she was going through a really tough time last year and we found your book online and we ordered it for her and she read it. And it was probably one of the best things we could have done for her as parents. And I had no idea. This was like a year after they had even purchased this. She had read it. And it was just really cool to hear like the impact that it could have and like things that were from years past and I didn't even know about. Um, so there's always kind of little things like that popping up where the kids or the families will, will find it. And it's a little scary at first, especially being in a small town. Cause you never know if people are going to be like, Oh my gosh, you know, she wrote about this or she went through this, but everyone has been so loving and supportive and, and reading that and supporting that. Absolutely. Um, so, it, you know, it's through your, through your experience and, and from when you were in middle school and high school into where you are now in your position, where do you think as a society we've grown in, in the aspect of mental health when it comes to student athletes? And where do you think we're still further behind than we should be? I think we've definitely come a long way from like when you and I were younger, even when we were in college and stuff, there were some good resources for us, but I still felt like there was a huge stigma on talking about mental health where I know there still is in some places now, but it's really about the culture you create where it seems like you guys are doing a great job of creating a positive culture and an open culture of like talking about vulnerability and mental health and the impact it can have on these youth. And that's kind of the same thing we're doing here. So for, for us, I've seen a huge, huge growth in that area. I mean, within like sports here that I've been involved with, whether it's the high school or club sports, and then even within my own family and friend groups, I think it really takes one person to kind of just light the fire in that and get everybody on board. But with that being said, I mean, there's still a long way to go. Mental health is not really covered in insurance still for a lot of people. I'm actually taking a new job shortly next month and they don't have coverage for any mental health services. So that's definitely not great. So I think that overall, our country, our nation has a long way to go in regards to that. Um, because people just can't get the right mental health, um, like doctors and therapists and things that they need, or like medications, things like that, to be able to help themselves. And that's kind of a bummer, you know, I mean, there's our physical health coverage has a long way to go too. Um, but right now, I think that's the biggest thing we're missing. And again, I think stigmas are getting better. It just depends on where you're at and what kind of communities you're involved with. But I think, you know, the actual resources need to be better to enable those those youth athletes and anybody else who's searching for help in that regard 
Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, when I, as, I, as you were talking about that, I was remembering um, the a couple of years ago, you ended up in the at the same uh, ODP event as uh, as two of my two of my favorite people and my two of my best friends, Kelly and Fields Brown. Um, and and I was thinking about I was thinking about the again briefly thinking about the fact that in that moment, right, you're in an ODP regional event where it's some of the best athletes and some of the best soccer players we have in the country playing in that same event. And, um, and again, it's one of those things of like, if somebody comes in and sees you, it might be something simple or it might be something that becomes a little bit harder to deal with. And, and one of the things that I've, I've experienced or we try to talk about at the club is, uh, is the parent support and the parent expectations. Sometimes those can be at times coming in from the right place, um, but not always expressed. In the, in the proper way um mm-hmm. so sometimes the the pressure that's put on athletes a lot of it stems from from home um what advice would you have for parents of student athletes when it comes to the idea of pressure and um and if and vulnerability when it comes to listening to their student athlete and asking the right questions I think two biggest things is one, always making sure you know what your child's goals and priorities are. I think a lot of the time parents and even coaches sometimes get caught up in what they want, but like at the end of the day, it's about the athlete or that child that's playing. And if they don't have those same goals that you're reaching for, you're going to obviously butt heads and that pressure is going to be too much for them at some point, you know? And then beyond that, just keeping open communication. I think a lot of that's the difference I see in a lot of like my youth that struggle or don't struggle with these things is they either have parents that have very open communication with them or parents that are like not willing to talk about anything. And I think that's tough. Um, I don't really know if there's any like great questions to ask. It's more so just making sure your your child feels comfortable, you know, like that they know they can come to you and have an open conversation with you and know that you're going to be open-minded to whatever they want to bring to the table. Fantastic. All right. One last, one last question, which is going to be basically a piece of advice. And I've asked this to of pretty much every athletic trainer that's come on the podcast, because I feel like every time I say it, nobody listens to me. So <laughs> I, we need, I need to have more, more people backing me up on this. Can you briefly touch on the importance of hydration and nutrition uh, before mm-hmm going into a competition, an event, anything like that? Super important, um, which I'm sure everybody says. And I, again, it'll look a little different depending on, you know, when your games are, how many you have, what kind of, what kind of weather you're playing in, but yes, nutrition and hydration are incredibly important. And it doesn't just start like, you know, the morning of, or the night before it's a consistent thing that has to be built up and really you have to stay consistent with it beyond that through a whole season to truly make sure you're taking in the right amount of nutrients and the right amount of water electrolytes to keep you performing at your best on the field. Perfect. All right. Well, all right. I'm going to, I'm going to take that sound clip and I'm basically just going to play it before at the end of every practice. I'm just going <laughs> to play that, play that. Like, listen, look, Katie you're says like, one yeah. more time, <laughs> one more time. Katie says, drink water. <laughs> <laughs> yes yes our athletes were struggling this weekend it was pretty hot here in california we got a random heat wave so i had to touch on this with my own athletes there you go see it, it, it it's constant it's constant it, yes all right well katie thank you so much for coming on today um we really appreciate it uh best of luck in your new job that you're that you're starting i know we're gonna we're gonna basically check in with you once you start that new job and we're gonna kind of get your uh your your perspective from it from nap standpoint then so we really appreciate you coming on today yeah thanks for having me this has been great all right uh so doing we so our last week was our super short episode so we didn't really get to talk about the world cup qualifiers and i feel like because we didn't talk about the world cup qualifiers and the champions league kind of snuck up on us right afterwards so we're gonna we're gonna kind of go over both for a little dive bit. in dive in all right, so World Cup qualifiers. So the European World Cup qualifiers. Um, I mean, some craziness, right? So all the groups are done now. Group stages are done. Um, so North Macedonia locking in that playoff spot in Group J, right? So Germany automatically moving on, North Macedonia coming in and uh, coming off of a, you know, 
standout. You know, they came into the Euros this year as well, so they had a they've had a good year. Uh, Poland getting into the playoffs, so potentially we could have Lewandowski in the in the World Cup again. Is he going to put the team on his back? He's not going to have a choice. Uh, Russia <laughs> making into the playoffs and Croatia automatically in the uh, in the World Cup. This is the one that was a shocker. So the Netherlands make it through and then um, almost making it through, right? So by two points. And then Turkey making into the playoffs, leaving out Norway. So we are going to have a World Cup year without Erling Haaland. That's going to be, he's going to be one of those players that he's going to be one of those players that will potentially or has, has a higher percentage than some other like big time forwards of potentially never playing a world cup. They need, they need to make a, uh, now they're the Europa league conference league. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The world cup. World <laughs> cup as bad as the world cup conference league, the world cup conference league. Yeah. There you go. Uh, Scotland making it into the playoffs and Denmark automatically qualifying through Wales getting in over Czech Republic into the playoffs, Belgium um, making it all the way through. So uh, two shockers right here, right? Portugal and Italy. They have to yeah. play their way into the playoffs. Yeah. Italy, you know, especially since they just won the Euros. Well, <laughs> it, well, here's the other one, right? So Ukraine makes it into the playoffs, right? So like, this playoff is not an easy, you know, cakewalk of second place teams. Like this playoff has potential, like Ukraine made it far into the Euros this year. So you're going to have a very competitive playoff system. It's going to, it's going to grind it out, man. You got to, I mean, I don't see. Yeah. Like you said, there's no cakewalks. Like there's no, I mean, obviously because it's the playoff, there's no really power teams or you would say Italy and Portugal are the power teams. Yeah. But at the same time, you got Sweden, Ukraine, Wales, you you end up with Turkey. Yeah. And you just have to play one of these teams that it's just going to be grinding. It's not going to be good. It's going to be tough. Yeah. Not going to be easy. Um, All right. So let's, uh, let's it all takes place today. They, right. Yeah. So uh, let's let's look closer to home. Um, so USA with a huge win against Mexico, Dos um, and then uh, a tie against Jamaica. Huge blow. So you're coming off of it with four points. All of a sudden, Canada is now in first place in the World Cup qualifiers. USA sick, sitting in second with Panama and Mexico sitting in third and fourth, uh, and they're tied for that third spot. I think that that first three has the ability to just if they all can continue to pick up three points, they can continue to separate themselves from the pack. Yeah, I think it's important for that that top three to continue to con- pick up three points. And Canada's shown they can do it; like they haven't dropped a single point yet. Yeah, so they can grind it out and get results. You know, we've. Drop points on one occasion, but it's a good top three. It is Canada going to the World Cup in preparation for that next World Cup, man. Alfonso Davies. Hey, and he's not the only guy. Jonathan David. Jonathan David, yeah. He scored a goal in the Champions League this week. Yeah. They got they got some kids that can play. All right. And then um looking further south, looking at the Comable. Uh, so Argentina locked themselves into the World Cup. Uh, so Argentina and Brazil already locked in. Here's the really, really interesting part, right? So you got Argentina, Brazil already locked in. Then you got Ecuador coming in in third right now with 23 points. Perfectly fine. Then from fourth place to ninth place, from fourth to ninth, there is a four-point difference. And that is yeah. it. And that is it, right? So you got Colombia sitting in fourth right now because of goal differential, and Paraguay sitting in ninth with thirteen points. It's got to pick up results. Well, that's the crazy part, right? Like you still have three, um, you still have four four games left. Yeah, it's just these head-to-head matchups. There are still twelve points on the table right these now. Are, these head-to-head matchups are critical. Yeah. 
absolutely. And the crazy thing is that, you know, Brazil and Argentina are not like letting their putting their foot off the gas either because these are competitive matches that you're not going to get anywhere else. So you're not just because you're locked into the World Cup. It's not like, oh, we're going with our B squad now because placement matters now. You know, Argentina is sitting in six points behind Brazil with that that game that still hasn't been decided <laughs> yet, um, which I'm not entirely sure how what's, what's going to happen with that. But once that's decided, potentially it's only a three-point difference at that point. Dude, they're playing that game in Europe. Watch. They're not replaying that game. There's no they're way playing that, that game. They're going to play that game in Europe. There's no way that game is getting replayed. There's no way. No shot. No shot. Um, so, yeah. So, ultimately, you know, we're, we're looking at a very competitive World Cup qualifiers, uh, which is exciting, which is exciting. Um, and then right, off the, right after the World Cup qualifiers, you know, coming off of that weekend of World Cup qualifiers, boom. Uh, Champions League match day, uh, five. Yep, some hearts were broken and lives were extended, and yeah, some things are still alive. I mean, ultimately, some of the teams, some of the teams that we thought maybe had nothing left, all of a sudden make things really, really interesting. Um, you know, so City and PSG locking themselves in the first and second, nothing else can change there. Um, that th- those top two are locked in. The I would question hope so is with all that all that money. Did you see how much money was on that field? Oh, it's a ton. Yeah, but the yeah. question is, is you know that sec that that Europa League spot becomes super competitive now because Leipzig has to go and play against City, and PSG plays against Bruges, and now those two teams are playing. You know, they're they're they're, they're hold their own destiny. To a certain extent, right? Yeah. Um, then the group B, which I think is still the most competitive group out of all of them. So I mean, to a certain extent, outside of Liverpool, being, besides Liverpool, <laughs> besides Liverpool being the flat out like just running away with it. Porto, Milan, and Atletico Madrid all sitting in within one point of each other. Five points for Porto, Milan, and Atletico Madrid. Uh, or Milan and Atletico Madrid sitting in four points. With <laughs> which is the, here's the crazy part. Um, Milan has to play Liverpool. Atletico Madrid has to play Porto. So, obviously, for Atletico Madrid and Porto, there that that looks a little more favorable than the Milan's <laughs> game. Uh, mostly because they again that you hold your own fate, right? You win that game, you're kind of you're in. Oh no, man! Milan might be boxing up some Balenciaga shoes as Christmas presents and saying, <laughs> "Hey, Remember that squad you uh, played with your U23s? Can you bring those guys in? <laughs> Jurgen, Jurgen, here's here's a couple gifts. Balenciagas. Uh, yeah. Um, but so- great story out of that Milan Atletico game about the guy that was like 30 years old who was like a delivery driver who scored the uh, game. Is it the game time goal? I think they tied. From Milan, they're forward. He's 30 years old. Really? Started out in Serie D. Made his way through the ranks. He was a delivery driver. He's from Brazil. Junior Messias? Junior Messias. Look at that. So, Jamie Vardy out here inspiring the public. Ah, you don't get ahead of yourself with Jamie Vardy. Hey, man, he was a dock worker. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, don't, 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 don't go too deep into Jamie Vardy yet. Well, it might be. It, it could be a Jamie Vardy kind of day. Jamie Vardy's Jamie. Al- he's always having a, a party. It could be a Jamie Vardy kind of day. Um, yeah, I mean, ultimately goes in. And, well, so that's the interesting part about this guy, uh, Junior Messiahs, right? So, um, was in Serie D, then goes to Crotone, uh, which is in the second division. And then gets alone into Milan. Only his second game. Score Boom. goals. Look, he's like, I ain't going back. Listen, Slatan, Slatan can sit on the bench. I got this. Don't worry about it. Look, he's fighting for his life. He's like, I ain't going back. <laughs> I am not going back. There's no or he chance. goes back and he's that guy that runs soccer camps and was like, Yeah, I was a professional soccer player. I played for Milan. <laughs> And, and he just makes bankroll off of camps because if you look it up, it's like two appearances, one Champions League goal. Yeah, this guy knows who he's talking about. 
<laughs> Messiah soccer. Messiah's soccer. <laughs> yeah. Coming over, he'll come over to the US and play that, that. play that wordplay on Messiah. Watch out, Sergio. <laughs> Sergio, Messiah's coming for you. Messiah's is coming for you. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, back to the back to the Champions League. So yeah, so that, that group is is pretty good. Uh, right now, then Group C is still an interesting group because uh, you know Sporting and Dortmund, Dortmund losing um, the last game to Sporting, uh, so you know that group is still kind of up in the air. I mean, ultimately, Dortmund well, at no, least Beshkitas is not going through. No, Beshkitas is out. But you know, Dortmund at least locked in uh, Champions League. Now, the crazy thing is, so Dortmund's got to go in uh, into the last game and play Beshkitas. The question is, is Ajax going to put in at least four goals on Sporting and is Dortmund going to beat Besiktas by six? Well, seeing that they don't have the guy that would score six goals, I'm going to go sure. with the hard no. Hard no, yeah. Um, big other yeah. story. Let's, let's, let's talk about Group D for a second. So Real Madrid locks in. Well, now doesn't lock in first place. Locks in uh, champ, or no, next round Inter. Locks in next round. Sheriff. Sheriff is in the Europa League. Payday. Go on, Sheriff. Payday. Sorry, Shakhtar. Didn't come to play. Shakhtar going home. You should have defended better. You gave up 11 goals. Um, Barcelona. Xavi's debut. So far. Support. Yeah, I mean, listen. 1-0-1-1. I'll take it. I mean, so it goes into this game. There's a lot of money on the line in this game, but points wise. Yeah. Like, I think it was like 10 million euro that they were looking at getting themselves out of trouble, like not transfer fees, just, Hey, we can, we can pay our wages. So getting the draw really helps them survive another day. Well, I mean, the problem is, is that again, Barcelona right now is, you know, they need to, they need to get at least a point. Out of uh, out of the game against Bayern, can't lose. You lose, you put your you put your fate on Benfica's. Um, problem is actually Benfica wins no matter what goal differential they're, they're going to be through. So that's a hard part. You need you need to, you need a big win in Bayern. You need a big win. I mean, Xavi's been in those stages before. He has. He absolutely has. Um, problem and, is I don't know if they have anybody to put the ball in the back of the net. No, probably not. That's a hard part. The United uh, Ronaldo scores another goal. Somehow United can't figure out in the Premier League, but it can figure out in the Champions League. In a pretty tough group, <laughs> like the, their group's not easy. I mean, yeah. Uh, got uh, it, Jordan P. Fox scored a goal for Young Boys uh, this week. Well, and again, Young Boys is sitting at four points, but you know, VRL is sitting at seven. Uh, so. You know, young boys plays Atalanta, or no, they don't play Atalanta. They play who do they play? I mean, they play United. So again, United's good for losing something. <laughs> um, and then which is the, by far the closest group is Group G: Lille, Salzburg, Sevilla, and Wolfsburg, all sitting within three points of each other. Lille sitting at the top with eight points, but Wolfsburg sitting in the bottom with five points. All of a sudden, uh, Wolfsburg and Sevilla win their last game if they don't play each other. <laughs> well, Wolfsburg, Wolfsburg has to play Lille. So there's so a all of a sudden they both get three points and win the and win the, the group. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, what's disappointing is that Salzburg all of a sudden, you know, with their last two losses, could be sitting in nothing. Could could literally go home with nothing. They lose that game. Sevilla goes to nine, Wolfsburg and Lille stay at eight. And all of a sudden, Salzburg sitting in at, goes home with nothing. Yeah, that's your American flag group too. When you look at the yeah teams, like three or four teams have American. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the last group, Group H, um, somewhat of a boring group. Both Chelsea and Juve making it through. Uh, the Malmo's Zenit game's got a lot of money on it. I mean, Malmo, Malmo, Malmo's got a shot, I guess. If uh, if. If next the next next week they can I mean they play they um they play Juve so uh, they don't have a shot sorry Malmo 
problem is, is that right now the you know they have to they would have to Zeni would have to lose a lot to a lot to Chelsea and Malmo would have to beat Juve by a lot. So right now Malmo sitting with the negative twelve goal diff, and Zenit sitting at zero with goal diff. So you know, I think it's got to happen. But yeah. Um. All right, let's talk about the MLS. Uh. So. What's now going to be a new Thanksgiving tradition for me is watching the MLS uh, playoffs. Uh, and what yeah, was that, a- was, that came on after the Lions game? I was like, man, I want to watch the Cowboys. Am I trying to watch their soccer on Thanksgiving? No, I loved it. It was a great game. It was a fantastic game. Had it been uh, in Portland, I probably would have watched. It, it was great. It was a really, really good game. Um, so, uh, Miabala scores in the 90th minute. And then Aspria gets thrown out in the 94th minute for Portland. So right now, Portland's sitting in without Aspria for the next game and with Blanco injured. So, um, you know, that'll be an interesting, um, interesting, you know, going into the next match, uh, which potentially they would play the winner of Sporting. Well, they play the winning of Sporting Real Salt Lake, which happens on Sunday. Then Real Salt Lake, the, Real Salt Lake with the upset, like, yeah, they they took down Seattle. Yeah, I don't think anybody really saw that coming. No, no, not at all. I mean, take them out in PKs, but still took them out. I mean, they packed it in. They they got shot on. I think they gave up like it was the shot ratio was like twenty one to one. You get out of there in advance, like they're probably like Seattle's probably like, how do we like anytime you outshoot a team 21 to 1, you're like, how do I lose it? And you lose. How do yeah. how did you lose? Good for them. Um, so yeah, so conference finals, and then Philadelphia Union plays on Sunday against Nashville at home. Again, again. ain't no Nashville, ain't no Nashville fans coming to this game again. No. Now the only thing you hope for, to a certain extent, is uh, you hope that that New England potentially loses. Oh, we're going to the conference final game. No, no, no. But if if New England loses, then the Union hosts the final. That's a, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm going. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. If uh, if New England loses, yeah, we'll find out. Oh, uh, you're talking about the, the MLS Cup final. No, I'm talking about the conference final because oh, okay. New, New England is first. So New England, if they win, if they beat NYCFC, they would host a conference final. I go out there for to watch that. You go to New England? You go to Boston? No, I'm talking about the Philly. If, oh, well, England, so, NYCFC's got this in the bag. You think so? Play. New England hasn't even played yet. And they had the latest playoff game. That is like crazy. They do. They they have the twos, they don't play until Tuesday at 7 30. Well, I see FC. I mean, that game against Atlanta, they dominated. Like Atlanta's on it. Atlanta needs to rebuild. So, um, Joseph Martinez' strategy ain't working no more. No, no. Uh, dude, what is that guy from? They saw that guy from Argentina, Barco. No, the other guy that they picked up, the attacking mid, Martinez. No, they picked up somebody. I got to think of his name. No, Almiron is in Almiron is nah, in Newcastle. He Newcastle. He's in Al- they picked up somebody else. I don't know who you're talking about. It'll come back to me. He has a nickname. A nickname? Yeah, hold on. Anyway, continue. I'll figure right. out. You is. find it. You find while you find that, I'm gonna talk about the NWSL. So the NWSL final happened last Saturday. Uh, I was watching um, that at the L House. Uh Washington Spirit. Washington Spirit beating Chicago Red Stars. It was a comeback Andy. victory. It, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Andy Sullivan and Kelly O'Hara with the two goals. So congratulations to the Washington Spirit for um, for a great season and winning the NWSL. Good for them. And tr- uh, Trinity, Trinity Trinity Rodman Rodman Hodman is a beast. Yeah, she's well, good. and I think and I think for the Washington Spirit, this is a good win for those players coming off of all the all the stuff that they have going on with their coach getting fired and all these other things happening to them. Um, I think ultimately it's good. It's good for them. It's good for the players uh, to get a really, 
a really solid, um, you know, solid win and, and a good, good way to end the season for them. All right, did you find out who the player is? Who are you talking about? Uh, no. I think his name is Tiago Almada. Oh, Tiago Almada. No, he's not. He hasn't come in yet. No, that's not him. Then he's coming. He's in Argentina. They're apparently going to sign him. He is a monster. They already signed him. No, that's not who it is. He's, Maybe he's, he's not a, there anymore. He's a beast. Maybe this guy isn't there anymore. Yeah, I don't know who you're talking about. Barco would have been the only other guy. I know Barco. Barco's still there. I don't know. All right. Um, okay, so player of the match. Uh my player of the match is going to go to um Jacob Glasness. Glasness. Uh center back from the union that's like yeah. crazy goal, man. That's a crazy, crazy goal. At the death. Crazy goal in the 123rd minute. Go about to go to PKs. Said, no, sir. I'm not taking any PKs. Not today. He said, I've seen how we take PKs in practice. Now we're good. <laughs> <laughs> let me let me take this matter into my own hands. Uh so yeah, so that's my my player of the match. Uh who's your player of the match? The player of the match goes to Valentin Castel- Castellanos. Castellanos. Oh, he's Argentinian from NYCFC. Yeah, that dude, he scored a banger. I watched that game. He's a pretty good kid. Uh, the player. Yeah, and he's also the leading goal scorer for the MLS. There you go. So Nice. All right, on this day in soccer history. All right, so we're going to do two of them. One is going to be an on this day in soccer history uh, from yesterday. So we're going to do this no matter what, no matter what year, no matter what day it is, this week, um, anytime we come into that last week of uh, of November, on this day in soccer history, and we're going to always remember November 25th, um, 2020, uh, for Diego Maradona. So, um, he passed away November 5th or November 25th, um, 2020. So he'll always be in the, on the podcast, but uh, I found out who it is. Who was it? He already left. Gonzalo Martinez, PT. Yeah, that's what I was talking about, Martinez. Yeah, he's in uh, he's in Saudi uh, Arabia. I thought you meant like Yosef Martinez. No, 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 no. no got it, got it. Come on, man. There's two Martinez. No, sorry, PT. No, PT left like a year ago. Is he is he on the team that Xavi coached? No, 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 different team. Uh, but he was trying to get out of that too. Um. All right. So, who was the player we were talking about earlier? Jamie Vardy having a party. That's right. So November 26, 2011, 10 years ago, 10 years ago, Jamie Vardy scores a goal against Fleetwood Town in front of a crowd of 768 people in a conference match at Gateshead. After working on the docks. (laughs) So, yeah, so non-league conference match. Four years later, right? So four years later, we're sitting in almost to the day, right? November 28th, 2015. Scores against City. Sorry, against he goes scores against United. Um, and that was his 11th consecutive Premier League match uh, goal. That was the year. And that was the year that he also broke the record set by Ruben Nisteroy in 2003, which he actually increased to 12. So scoring 12 games in a row. But 10 years ago, Jamie Vardy was having a party against Fleetwood Town. So there you go. 10 years ago, this guy was sitting in a conference match in front of less than 1,000 people. This dude finished working an eight-hour shift and had to go play soccer or had to take the day off, one of the two. One of the two. Yeah. So good for Jamie Vardy. Uh Fair play of the week. Um, so my fair play of the week, it's an interesting one, I think. Uh, my fair play of the week goes to the Armenian women's national team <laughs> um, for only having one yellow card against Belgium uh, when Belgium decides to beat them 19-0. Um, I, I didn't say nine. I said 19-1-9. They scored one, 19. One less than 20. 
Yep. 19 goals. And uh, five of the uh, four of those goals come, came in from the 87th minute into the 93rd minute. <laughs> we're fighting I, at that point. We're, t- watched, we're fighting and picking the fortune. Here's, here's the question. Why is there 93? Why is there three minutes? At, why are there three minutes of stoppage time? The question is, why didn't Armenian football team just go get the red cards and they lose 2 nothing? <laughs> so I, I watch the highlights. I watch every single goal. That is sick. I watch every single goal. Um, I will say that what's crazy to me is that Belgium at no point looked like they were not going to try to score a goal. No, because even if they brought in their B squad, these are players that are trying to keep their spot. I mean, I don't know how competitive Belgium's going to be at the next World Cup, but I mean, you know, Tessa players. Tessa Willard Willard scores five goals. Scored the fifth, the fifth minute, thirty fourth minute, fifty one, fifty fifth, fifty first minute, eighty ninth minute, and ninety first minute. She's trying to keep her spot in the team. So she's she, she scores. Yeah, I mean, listen. I get it, um, but it's crazy. Here's the funny part. So if you're on Google and you look at the stats of the game, I'm assuming these are not like they're not accurate stats. But what's really funny about the stats is that it says shots 19 for Belgium, shots on target 19, possession 100%. <laughs> I mean, maybe Armenia didn't touch the ball. <laughs> no, they touched it a couple of times when they were rebounding off their legs. Um, it's not, it's not possession. Definitely not possession. Um, but yeah, so listen, one of the one of the Belgian players scored a goal while she was getting punched in the head by the goalkeeper. Goalkeeper comes out for a cross, misses the ball, and punches this girl, this player in the, the head, in the head. Going for the red card. But the player, but the Belgian player had headed the ball right before. So it goes in as she's getting punched in the head. Try to get so, look, the keepers like, you know what? I gave up the goal, getting a red card. You get out of here, goal. two nothing. Gold diff. Yeah. So, uh, so I feel bad for Armenia, but at the same time, interesting for Belgium. I mean, I get, I guess, I guess the, it's better than, you know, scored 11 goals in the first half. So what are you going to do in the second half? Play possession? That doesn't seem like it would be a fun for fun 10 passes to, to get a goal. Yeah. Got to got to score on your non on your non-dominant foot. Um yeah. So, all right, who's your fair play of the week? My fair play of the week goes uh to Tottenham and Antonio Conte. <laughs> uh so Tottenham in the Europa Conference League, which is like <laughs> We're happy to have you in European football. Thank you for giving us some money. Loses 2-1 to FC Mura. What, did I, what was that team called? I can't Mura, who was founded in 2011. They play in Slovenia. Yeah. And they've absolutely dominated since they were founded. Like, haven't finished lower than fourth. I don't know how many teams are in this league. In the Slovenian league? Yeah, but I'm sure Harry Kane gets paid more than anybody on than they're probably their whole team. And you lose two one. Yeah. And then Antonio Conte coming out at the end saying, I see what the problem is. We're not good. And <laughs> this isn't a simple I, I know we just lost, but this isn't a simple fix. You guys suck. <laughs> Basically a kind word saying we suck and I need some money in the transfer window. Yeah. Like he might have his team playing home games at the at the training grounds in front of no fans. I mean, hey, what, I mean, yeah. Don't, yeah, I don't know. They, yeah, you look at the history, and you look at Leipzig, who wasn't founded too long ago, going to the Champions League final this year. Yeah. So you watch out for what is this, Musa, Mira, Mira. You watch out for Mira. They might be going to the Champions League final in a couple of years. There you go. They already took down Tottenham. <laughs> they already took down Tottenham. Next, next stop, playing Klopp, Jur- Jurgen. Careful, uh, we're going. We're going for your uh, World Cup or uh, uh, Club World Cup spot. <laughs> trying to, we're trying to go. To, we're trying to go to the Club World Cup. Well, speaking of Klopp, it's going to be interesting seeing that his teacher is now at United. Yeah, and who's the better gag impressor? Interesting. 
Um, and they just gag and press each other. It's going to be no goal. It's just in the middle of the field. Everything just, everything just played in 30 yards. Yeah, that'd be fun. Um, all right. Well, uh, I hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving. I hope everybody had a good time. I hope everybody enjoyed themselves. Make sure you get outside, touch the soccer ball, work on some of those turkey pounds. That's right. Uh, get some touches in the ball. Uh, make sure you follow us on social media, facebook.com slash reunion on Instagram at Delaware Union Soccer. Follow the Diamonds at DE Union Diamonds on Facebook and Instagram. Make sure you subscribe and like the podcast podcast anywhere you're listening to. Um, something I'm thankful for is all the people that listen to the podcast, all the comments that I get every once, or, you know, every time we're walking around the field and stuff like that. Hey, listen, I listen to the show or, or the random phone calls I get from some of our people in our club yelling at me for certain things that happen in the podcast, um, which are pretty funny. Uh, but but extremely thankful for everybody um, that listens to the podcast and for, for having you on as my co-host. Not the same without you. Yeah, it's not the same. So, thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Right. Ditto. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. Thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot. Mm-hmm.